I was at home talking with my spouse, and I thought, you know what? I worked really hard in this company for years, and I really feel like I'm being singled out. And I think that people shouldn't be treated like that because they get sick. I didn't wake up one day and say, okay, I have a mask, and I don't want to work. I said, I said, I just wanted to be treated fairly. This is Sandra Munoz, and you're listening to Law and Order Me Some Tacos. And today we have a very, very special guest, one of my favorite, favorite clients. Her name is Sandy Estrada, and Sandy, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to see you again. It's been a long time since we worked on your case, um, but we just want to talk about that today. I'm going to ask you some questions about what that was like for you, um, and maybe those start a little bit about. Uh, you and your background. So what, well, you are currently retired, right? Yes. Do you do any work? I volunteered uh, at the senior centers uh, leading yoga classes. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember you have always been into yoga, right? Yes. So Sandy, do you remember how long it's been since we filed your lawsuit? Yes. Well, tell me a little bit about what led you to an attorney and what ultimately led you to a lawsuit. What happened? Um, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis back in 2004, and I had been sick for about three years on and off with many different symptoms. And when I was finally diagnosed and I had to do um, injectable medicine, I let my uh, store manager and the HR department know because I didn't want to be caught at work with a needle. because I was somebody in charge and didn't need hourly employees to see that. So you were you were so literally injecting medicine like during the day? Yes, at work. I see. Yeah. And what kind of work did you do? I I was uh, an assistant store manager in building materials. In a building like a building material store? Yes. Okay. And you had worked there for a long time, right? Yes. About 24 years at that time? Yeah. And what? how old were you when you first started working there? I think I was like 27 or 28. So this had been your job? For, it was my career. Yeah, it was your career. Did you start? Well, you were a manager at the time that you got diagnosed. Yes. I, I started out as a human resource manager, and then I worked my way getting cross-trained and eventually ended up becoming an assistant general manager. Um, I can say to the day I've... I still have old employees that find me on social media and tell me, thank you for the opportunities to help me with my schedule to go to school, to become a lawyer, a teacher, a doctor. Uh, you taught me values so that I would now, now I'm married, I have children, and it's some of the things you instilled in us. Oh, that's that must be really nice for you. Yeah, there are some testaments that come to me and they bring me to tears a bit. It makes me realize that all the hard work I did, and I worked in a couple of locations where the young people didn't come from real good backgrounds. Mm. So to see first generations get high school diplomas, college degrees, and do better, and most of them be from some form of Latino culture, mm-hmm. amazing. They're, they give me real, real testament. So these would have been co-workers of yours? Hourly employees. 
Uh, I see from from the retail store. From the retail store. I get it. Yeah. 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 Um, so you know, it, I just always remember your case very fondly, and 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 this happens in a lot of my cases. I represent all kinds of workers. Mm-hmm. My experience with you is I learned a lot about MS. You know, oh. it's, it's not something that I was familiar with. Oh no, and people have no idea. Yeah, people have no idea. What is? Can you can you define what MS is? It's it's a it's a neurological brain disease. So I have 30 plus lesions in my brain. Oh wow. So basically the it's there's this stuff called myelin. And if you have an extension cord and say a rat is chewing away at the extension cord, yeah. And it's all frayed. So in my brain I have little frays. So signals going down through your nervous system, they get the the impulses don't go clear. Yeah. So that's where you have trouble talking, chewing, swallowing, uh, seeing sometimes, I forgot, I get blurry vision, um, walking, yeah. bladder issues. Um, it's, it's different stuff because you lose the connection. Well, cause, because your nerves really kind of control everything, right? Yeah, your, yeah. Ner- your nervous system is huge. Yeah. So you have frayed nerve endings, and they go through your brain to your spine and your thoracic spine. And there's no cure. No cure. No cure, but there's ways of... Trying to slow it down. Yeah. They have disease-modifying therapies. Okay. And I've been on one, two, three. I was on three when there was only four. And then I went on the clinical study. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. It, sounds like, it sounds like MS is something you have to deal with every mm-hmm. day. And, yeah. And you learn to live with it. Yeah. And every patient is different. Yeah. And um, some people... You know, I have a walker. It's by my bed. I use it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes I'm not, I need it, and I use it. I walk in the neighborhood. I'm not embarrassed of it. Yeah. Um, I have, I've had a wheelchair, but I don't need it no more, so that's okay. But if I ever have to need one, it's okay. Uh, I mean, now that I'm getting older, it's all right. <laughs> well, I mean, I've, I've, I use a cane to walk. Yeah. I, uh, I injured my knee and, and tore my quad tendon. And it's, it's so interesting. Uh, I mean, I don't have any shame in using a cane. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, but I know that there are there are a lot of hangups. Yeah, you know? people look at you like, why? And 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 again, I have a cane. It's always in my car. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I use it, people, if you look at me, I look like the epitome of perfect health. But they don't have no idea. Mm-hmm. And um, if I could share one story. Yeah, of course. I went to Superior Market in. Um, in city of industry one day. Yeah. And I parked in the handicapped parking lot. Yeah. And I went inside. And it was summertime. And this lady followed me in. Oh, I had and I had my cane. And I was getting some produce. And she stopped and she went, Who do you think you are that you can use the handicapped parking lot? And I looked at her and I and I wasn't gonna say nothing and I said to her you have no idea what I live with, and who are you to judge me? She goes, I look at you, she goes, and you look to be about 40 years old. Well, I was like 55. And I said to her, you have no right to judge why somebody was issued a handicap placard. She goes, well, what do you have? Oh, my God. So I thought, well, do I take time to tell her or not? So then I, so I thought, okay, let me tell her what MS is mm-hmm. and how it has impacted me. 
And so I did. I spent like five minutes with her. She goes, well, I still look at you, and you still look not, nothing's wrong. I said, well, I hope that no one in your family gets any illnesses. She goes, well, I don't feel bad for you. And I said, I'm really sorry. Have a nice day. And I walked out. I was in tears. Oh, my gosh, Sandy. I was in tears at the ignorance. Why do people have to be like that? She followed me in the store because I parked in the handicapped parking lot. Jesus Christ. Space. Um, oh, man, that's crazy. You know, I, oh, I've gotten a little bit of a view of what it's like to be disabled, I guess, or handicapped or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's not a world that's built for people mm -hmm. with disabilities. But I've always had a sense of it because my sister growing up, my sister who recently passed away, Oka, she had polio all her life. Mm -hmm. um, and so she, her one of her legs was shorter than the other. Mm -hmm. And so she always had that disability, I right. guess. Um, and always sort of needed some, she was always, fight. I mean, my sister was a fighter, so she'd get into fights over all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But I always was conscious of, of the fact that the world's not built no. for people who have or who need accommodations. No, nope. it's cruel. It is, it is. And, and that, you know, people look down on you or might judge you. Like, they judge you, know, you they look down on you, they, it's, it's, it's a horrible thing. And so... In 2004, when you were diagnosed with MS, mm -hmm. you informed your employer, mm -hmm. and what happened after that? I, they continued to do my job. I did real well. I ended up being moved to one of their larger facilities. The store was soaring. It ended up being a training store for not just other hourlies, but all managers that were hired went through my, my store, and my staff helped cross-train them in all departments. Um, I was well-liked. I was probably one of the go-to assistant general managers that everybody went to to, to get instruction. Yeah. And uh, then there was a little shake-up in the company, and they, they moved me. I, I had the location. I had a lot of employees, so I didn't need to to drive like forklifts and machineries. I had a lot of manpower. And as I said earlier, my, my skill was train, teach, and develop. I never thought that I could do my job myself. I didn't have a problem showing anybody how to do my job because I wanted all these young people to do well. Right. And I ended up, they moved me to a, a lower volume location. And I went from having about 120 employees to maybe 35 and I'm on medication for my illness, and now I need to drive a forklift and climb ladders. I was using a cane at the time, and it became very hard. Well, the move to a new store happened after a new sort of district manager? Came. Yeah, we had a new district manager who, who got rid of one that we'd had for a long time. And the way the business ran, they took a lot of people... As we grew in the company, even some, like they say, they were just stalkers, but then they became like an hourly supervisor, then they became a department manager, and then they grew. And the company kind of believed that we grew our own managers. Mm -hmm. We didn't necessarily have to have the degree. Well, the new guy came in and now said we all needed to have degrees. Yeah. And some of us had been doing this job for 20 plus years. <laughs> Yeah. And we were working 65 hours a week sometimes. So we really didn't have time to go to college. 
besides maybe try to see our families. So um, he made things really, really tough. And uh, I don't think he understood the expertise that the hands-on people, not just myself, knew running the business. We, we made it profitable. And I think he singled me out to try to set an example because not everybody was on his page. So he decided I was well-liked. I mean, my, my phone in my office or my emails were coming from other assistant managers. How do you do this? What's, what's your plan? Um, I've got two people. I want you to train them in your store. So then when they come back here, they'll understand the concept of the company. So when he moved me from that position and put me in a lower volume store, and the guy that he switched me with was actually failing in that store, and he moved him there, and he got fired like in three months later. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow. What did you think was the motive for moving, for moving you to the new store? I, I, to the day, I still don't know. I just think he was trying to set, set me up for failure and set an example to let the other assistant general manager, like, this is my, this is my turf. We're going to do it my way. And if we don't do it my way, I'll get rid of you. So he sends you a store where, where um, there's less manpower. You mm-hmm. like. It's a smaller store, but there's less manpower, as yes. you said, right? Mm-hmm. And what does that mean for you physically? I'm in a management position. I have many assistant managers at that time. We wore like 16 different hats, right? Okay, which was fine. But then you had to actually work. You needed to stock. You needed to drive a forklift. You needed to run a cash register. You, you had to do all of that besides your job. And the more that I did that, the worse my MS was. And one Saturday night, I remember being at work. There was two other guys in the store besides me to fix the store to open the next day. And I was climbing on the ladder. And I literally lost my balance. I fell off the ladder. My cane went running, you know, slid down the aisleway. I got it. And I don't even know how I finished. I did my job. I drove home. And I had to honk my horn so that my spouse could come and help me up the stairs because I couldn't walk. Mm. And, and by then, the anxiety that I was feeling from the pressure of work, and I felt my MS really flaring up something bad. And I remember going in the house, and I was in tears, and um, my older sister was there. They got me in the house. And the next morning, I called my primary doctor. And it was a Sunday, but I had... I called his office and he left his cell number and he said, okay, are you done? He goes, I've been watching you decline the last month or two. He goes, now I'm your doctor. He goes, and I'm telling you, you need to stop. You need to get off work right now. He goes, or you're not gonna be able to walk. And, and I said, okay. I went on disability. Initially, they, they wanted it to, uh, they called it workers' comp, my job, but then they sent me to one of those worker comp doctors, which was, oh, they're the worst. Yeah. <laughs> they just make you feel um, awful. So, um, you know, I went to see him, and then um, my primary doctor, my neurologist, got involved, and um, they decided that I just needed to not work. Yeah. And so did you end up resigning? I don't, I don't remember. At some point, they let me go in the middle of, of the proceedings and everything, but they didn't let me go right away. I left like January 2008, and I think in 
like January 2009 or March, I got one, a booklet from the company, and they vested me at 25 years. Mm. So sometime in there, they they resigned me, I guess, or fired me. I'm yeah. not sure the term. Yeah. Well, because I, I was I was reviewing the, the facts of your case, you know, before in preparation for today, and mm-hmm. what I remember seeing was that when this new guy came in, he sort of tried to implement Monday meetings for all managers, including assistant managers. Mm-hmm. And I think Mondays were generally your day off. I had Sunday Mondays off. Yeah, and, and you use you use those Mondays to recover uh, for medication that, that you would take on Sunday. Yes, I had to do um, an intramuscular injection on Sunday afternoons, and it made me very sick Yeah, to on Mondays, where even on Tuesday when I would go back to work, I still was maybe at 70%. Yeah. 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 And so when the news came out that those mandatory Monday meetings were going to happen, you let both the new guy and I believe his supervisor yes. know that it was not going to be possible for you because for- because of your medication. Mm-hmm. And I think sort of after that is when it all came down on yes, you. Yes, it came down hard, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was in my performance, in all the years that I was there, I never had a negative performance review. If anything, they were accelerated. Yeah, no, I remember you were an exemplary mm-hmm. employee, right? Yeah. Like standout. Yeah. Yep. And this guy came in, didn't like that you had sort of questioned or said, I'm not going to be able to go to these yep. Monday meetings. And he just came, kind of came down on yeah. you for that. Yeah, I think, I, as I said, he, he was trying to um, establish his position. Yeah. And since I was exemplary at my job and I was the highest paid assistant, and I was a female. Yeah. And 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 I was Latina. And, and I'm a Latina. Yeah. And I'm gay. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> the trifecta. Yeah. I think that he decided I'm going to make an example of her to get all the other guys in line. Right. Right. I really felt that. The the theory of your case um, was that you know when you told them I can't come to these meetings mm-hmm. um, because I have to you know take this day off that was a request for an accommodation mm-hmm. right because I you know you have to put it in legal terms right in terms of what I'm doing um, and that because actually I think the Monday meetings were never implemented no they never did yeah and I think that might have been because his boss was like no you're not going to do this or something like that yeah I think they yeah they sort of put a stop on it yes. and he was just angry about all of that uh-huh. so he retaliated against you he retaliated by sending you to this store right. that demanded more of you physically yes which was tough yeah. and and I came from a high volume store and I did a good job Yeah, I mean yeah. I did a good job and the guy they switched me with from the slower store was pretty much already on his final warning to get fired so I didn't understand how you took somebody that wasn't doing his job to put him in a successful store. Yeah. And he it got make sense. No. And he got fired three months later. Right. Thus, <laughs> thus, thus the lawsuit. Right. Right. And I know that when you came to me, I believe you had already had, a, you already had the workers' comp claim. Yeah. And so what led you to me? Um, I remember being at home and I remember thinking, because, you know, my doctors were trying to stabilize my MS and I was talking to my primary doctor, and I had started to see a therapist, and I was at home talking with my spouse, and I thought, you know what? I worked really hard in this company for years, and I really feel like I'm being singled out, and I think that 
people shouldn't be treated like that because they get sick. I didn't wake up one day and say, okay, I have a mask and I don't want to work. I said, I said, I just wanted to be treated fairly. And so I called someone who referred me to Sandra and, and I, she said she'd listen to what I have and then we moved forward. And um, I think it's probably one of the, the best decisions I've ever made because I worked really hard as, as a small woman, as a Latina woman in a man's business. Yeah to accomplish what I accomplished. And I like out there selling lumber, right? Yeah, <laughs> and I know I knew I was good at my job. Yeah. And and as I said earlier, I have old hourly employees who some of them now are still with the company and they're in high positions and they tell me thank you. Yeah. So I I I couldn't have been just full of my own ego. I did a good job. Yeah. yeah. I did a good job. No, and I think that 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 proved to be true during the course of the litigation. It, yeah. it became clear that you were this exemplary employee. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who really just got the short end of the stick mm -hmm. um, because you needed this, this slight accommodation yeah. of not being able to go to these new Monday meetings. Mm -hmm. And this guy just didn't like it. I, I don't know if you remember that at some point he told you... Um, you're not going to get away with what you've gotten away with in the past. You know what? I remember that. Yeah. 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 He thought that um, I used to rig the schedule to my benefit, mm. but I worked as many hours yeah. as everybody else, so I don't know what he was talking about. And so did you sometimes, because I, I mean, I know a little bit about MS, Sandy. A lot of that comes from, you know, having worked on your case. Mm -hmm. what, what, are the, what are the symptoms or what were your symptoms back Oof. then? Oof. Um, my onset was my vocal cords paralyzed. Oh, wow. And um, so from time to time, my vocal cords still paralyze. And um, they get kind of, um, I don't know, raspy. Yeah. And then you get tremors. You get spasticity. You can have bladder issues. You have um, trouble cognitively. Excuse me. Um, you have trouble walking, mm. balance. Um, you get this thing that feels like around your rib cage or your girdle in your body that feels like you're being suffocated like a snake. Oh, wow. And you can't breathe. And it feels like you're having a heart attack or your lungs are being compressed. But really all that is is your nervous system, your brain and your nervous system not working together. And you just have to kind of try to relax to catch your air. Mm. It's probably one of the worst symptoms ever because, you know, and it happens still randomly, but you live with it. Um, in the beginning, I had a lot of tremors. I had what they call drop foot. So <clears throat> when I was still at work, I would use a grocery cart and a, and a piece of wood to walk the floor so that I could do whatever my work was, but I used it kind of like a walker mm -hmm. to be able to do my job. Yeah. So, and I used a cane, a single point cane, and I still do, but I, I was able to do my job with, I found tools yeah. in order to do it. And you never formally told your job that, up until you told them that you, the Monday meetings were gonna be an issue, you hadn't formally requested any accommodations, have you? No, yeah. I, you know, um, one time, because uh, payroll was done on Monday, so yeah. I worked Tuesdays through Saturdays, 
And um, I had another um, manager who did payroll on Sundays. And we had a, a thing where we had to put our, I think it was our, our thumb or fingerprint, the way payroll was being done. This is when they started to get state-of-the-art. Yeah. And, um, Fancy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, somehow something happened from Sunday to Monday where they couldn't process payroll. Yeah. So my store manager at the time called me at home. And he said I, his thumbprint wasn't working to do payroll. He goes, can you come in? And I go, I can't drive. I did my medication and I was very sick. He said, I'll send somebody to pick you up. He goes, can you come in and process payroll? I go, yeah, people need to be paid for their job right. by all means. Yeah. So I guess that was an accommodation because they came and picked me up. And... Um, he he went and got a trash can out of store out of the store inventory because I was vomiting, oh, and shoot. he brought me water and a Seven Up, and I processed payroll for all the employees. I was there about three hours, and then he had someone drive me home. Oh wow! So that happened a couple times because of payroll, and then I got his thumbprint fixed, so he didn't need me no more. So there were times when quirky things would happen because I was like the HR responsible person that if they needed to pick me up. He, he understood that I couldn't drive and he would pick me up. Right, right. So, yeah, sometimes there was. So there were things that, that would happen. Like, but they worked with me. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, you never presented a doctor's note saying, you know, you need to walk, you need to walk with a cane or you have limited walking or you need to um, take breaks. Or I, I, don't, I don't recall doing yeah, that. I don't, no. really, I don't think you did. I no, it was, no. You, you just sort of dealt with your duties and... You know, you, you kind of did your own, like, accommodation. Yeah, I did. And, yeah. and my store manager at the time was, he could tell when I was faltering and yeah. he needed to help me take a break. Yeah. He he was understandable. It was the other guy that came in that made life. Um, and my district manager was okay. He said, as long as you're, I go, I can do my job. He was okay. Yeah. And then they replaced him with the other guy. It really is, like, sort of, before this guy came in, um... It was kind of, it's not like legally or like all the term, like the, what they have, because there's this interactive process that's supposed to happen Mm -hmm. when an employer knows about an employee's disability Mm -hmm. and you're supposed to like get together with the employee Mm -hmm. and have a conversation about what the company needs to do to accommodate your disability. right? Right, right. That's sort of the formal they never did that. I know, but but in some ways it happened anyway on a practical level, right? Because you would have those conversations with your manager or with the right, district right. manager, and right? they they saw me with a cane at times. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. would see me with a drop foot. Um, sometimes I had to take this one medication, and it made me really groggy. And I would tell them, you know, I needed I needed to take this after I got to work, yeah, because I didn't want to take it driving. I said, but I can't do machinery today. Okay. Like you know. I, because sometimes I would go to receiving and help them unload trucks and stuff. Because if, if I was caught up in my work, it was kind of like, <laughs> I'm going to go play with the boys, <laughs> so to speak. But if I took that strong, uh, that pill, I wouldn't drive machinery because yeah. I didn't want to hurt anyone. Right, right. Or, you know, crash. Yeah. So, um, but they were understandable. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, those kind of things were talked about, but not formally written down. Yeah. 
or formally just yeah, documented, mm. documented or discussed. Right, or right. They didn't ask you for a doctor's note or mm. anything like that. No, no. It's interesting when you talk about the shopping cart because it reminds me of my mom. Um, mm-hmm. She has a, sh- she ha- she, well, my mom doesn't really get around much anymore, but before she had a shopping cart um, that she took from like what <laughs> one of the markets. <laughs> but she would use it to walk. Yeah. And then like when she was done with it, she would hide it, you know, uh-huh. and cover it because sometimes those trucks come by to pick up. <laughs> She's like, that's my shopping cart. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> but I also remember, I also remember that one time she was walking around the neighborhood and like somebody thought she was homeless and they threw, um, oh. <laughs> they threw recycled cans. In oh, so she could get money. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's funny. Um, okay. So then you came to me knowing that you wanted to file a lawsuit. I came to you with questions like, do I ha- do I have enough to file a lawsuit? Because I had worked very hard all those years, mm-hmm. and I really felt like I was being um, singled out. Did you, I mean, when you say singled out, did you feel you were being discriminated against? Yes. Because you had MS? Yes. Yeah. And so, did you know what a lawsuit entailed? No. Yeah. Clueless. You you had never filed a lawsuit previously, right? Um, I had a workers' comp claim once, but yeah. not a lawsuit lawsuit. And just, you know, just workers' compensation claims arise from injuries suffered on the workplace. So, like, you know, if you fall and, and you hurt yourself, then what you have is a workers' comp claim. Mm-hmm. A discrimination claim or a retaliation claim is separate and apart than from the workers' compensation system. It's a civil case. Right. Um, so it's very different than a workers' comp claim. That, you know, I get a lot of people who call me with workers' comp claims, and I don't I do not do workers' comp. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, it's an entirely different system, and I don't know anything about it. So, but you came to me with what you thought maybe was a discrimination right. claim. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and it was um, very hard for me to make the decision to want to do that because I liked the company, I liked my job, I liked my, a lot of my co co managers at my same level. So there was moments where I felt like I was kind of betraying, mm-hmm. but at the same time I had to think of myself too. And um, so I had a like a interior battle. Yeah. And what, I mean, obviously, ultimately, you, you, you led to the conclusion that you did want to sue. Yeah, yeah. Was there anything that sort of took you over the edge on that or, or your decision-making on that? Uh, I thought of my future. Yeah. I had to come to terms with, I do have a rele- relevant illness. I spent a lot of time there. I worked minimum 60 hours a week all the time. Yeah. And there are a couple times a year when we had inventory, you worked more than that. And I gave it my all. Yeah. So I didn't think I didn't think that that a company knowingly knew I had an illness could just try to get rid of someone. It was not right. Yeah. It it was it was just not right. When you reduce it to that it is against the law. I mean you're not supposed to Yeah, I just I just I had to tell myself that and and I had to also tell myself if I ended up losing some friendships because they still worked for the company, and I understood that they still needed to make a living for their families and stuff, so be it. Yeah. yeah. And that was hard. Yeah. That was hard, because I had friends. Yeah. You had friends who were managers. At, yeah. yeah they were, those were your colleagues, the managers, They were my right? colleagues. They yeah. were my friends, and, you know, sometimes, 
you know, if we accomplished things, we'd go have a cocktail. And, and I knew that all that was going to go away. Right. And it did. And so let, let's talk about the lawsuit and how, what was that like for you? What do you remember about the lawsuit? Because it took, I don't want all right. When when did when did the case finally resolve itself? Do you remember? I think um, I two thousand nine, maybe. Was like, it that took fast. That, no. So I filed the complaint, the actual lawsuit, in August of two thousand eight. Okay. I think you came to me before that. With that, yeah. yeah. And then the case resolved or ended in November of two thousand nine. So I, about probably like a year, year and a half. Yeah, a year and a half. When you first came yeah. to me until the end, um, which is actually not, I mean, I know it sounds like a long time, right? But not too bad. In the legal world, that's, that's not too bad. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, what do, you, what do you remember about the lawsuit? What was that like for you? The depositions were rough. Yeah. They were, they were really, really hard. And when they would um, bring in some of my coworkers and depose them, and uh, one of them was, really, really hard because this particular manager was before break being very honest. And then they asked for a break and he stepped outside. And when he came back, then he was a whole nother person. And that was, hmm. I knew that then he had got a call from someone higher up to pretty much, I guess, not be honest. Right, right. And that that was hard. This was another manager? This was my store manager. And we were a good team. Yeah. And in the beginning, he was being forthright and honest. And all of a sudden, it was just like so bogus. Yeah. And then I remember when the deposition was over, he tried to come and shake my hand. And my spouse was there. And he tried to tell me, you know, I always told you, you need to take care of yourself first. And it felt like such a... Up in the face, yeah. or he was being cowardly. I remember I had to turn away from him because I didn't want him to see the tears coming out of my eyes because uh, I thought, yeah. wow. If I remember correctly, Sandy, you did go to all the depositions I took, right? Yeah. Yeah, and you sat through there. And so generally what happens is I'm questioning mm -hmm. the witness. Uh, the attorney who represents the company mm -hmm. is there, usually representing mm -hmm. uh, uh, the witness, if, if, especially if the witness is a current employee of, mm -hmm. the, of the company. And then you're on my side mm -hmm. um, observing. Right. Because you can't say anything. No, no. Um, and so, yeah, I, I remember you being at all of those depositions. Yeah. What was it like emotionally? Because, like, you know, you say that, and I know that earlier you said, for example, that sometimes you have um, your voice box. Freezes. Yeah. So during the course of the lawsuit, um, how was that? How did it affect your, your symptoms? Yeah. 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 I... When my voice gets weird, I call. I named it Caleb many years ago because I don't know, because I feel like I sound like a man then. But yeah. it comes and goes. And um, with some people who have MS, stress is a factor. Yeah. And I don't know if the onset was my vocal cords were gone for six months when I first got sick. It was the weirdest thing. And yeah. the doctors I went pick a university in Southern California, and I went to all of them, mm. UCI, UCLA. I went, nobody could figure out what was wrong. So through, through, the, through the case and all the depositions and everything, I can remember my voice getting really labored. It was emotionally exhausting. Yeah. It was hard um, 
to think that they thought I was really faking this. Mm-hmm. And Because um, I think the new guy who came in actually said that he didn't even know you had MS. Uh, but, no, but he did. I know. Because I know. He was lying. My... Um, my nephew, when I was diagnosed, him and his mom had been doing like charity walks, like cancer walks and stuff. And when I was diagnosed, he said to me, Auntie Sandy, my mom and I do a walk for MS. Let's make a team. And I said, okay. I think it was like nine at the time. He goes, your favorite musician is John Lennon. So let's do that song you like, Team Imagine. Mm, we yes. named the team. Yes. Every year. After I was diagnosed, those four years from 2004, that particular gentleman always donated fifty to a hundred dollars to the walk. Yeah, yeah. So he knew. Yeah, no, I know. It was. It, it was, was just ridiculous. It was ridiculous for him to say that he didn't know. Yeah, I remember when he we were depositioning him. We had to go to the fancy office in downtown LA, which was just another building, and. I remember when when he denied that he yeah. did that, and I got real upset. Mm-hmm. And you told me, let's take a break. And as I stood up to get up, my legs weren't working, and he tried to help me up. And I was like, I wanted to hit him with my cane, and you told me no. <laughs> Sometimes my clients are really violent. <laughs> I wanted to hit him with my cane because I was so insulted. Yeah, it's insulting, I right? was insulted yeah. that that he denied donating money and I remember him coming to the store with his son with the envelope to show his son how you donate to charity mm. so when he did that I thought you're yeah. not even a good father yeah I mean as a person that was the insulting part of it and I remember I felt my my temper rising mm-hmm. and I stood up and I, I, I remember grabbing my cane and you told me no <laughs> remember that but I'm glad I stopped you. <laughs> no you did. <laughs> I'm hitting him. <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. Yeah well can I, I'm always curious because I mean at depositions I'm I'm doing the questioning mm-hmm. right so I'm sort of the voice for my client. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that I mean you're, you've shared a little bit about that but what is that like for you to have to sit there and listen to because I mean we're mainly talking about you right. Yeah it's hard. Uh, yeah. It's very it's emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard when you know that the other people are not being completely honest mm-hmm. or evading the question. Yeah. And uh, to know when you really worked closely with some of them, it's really disheartening. Yeah. Uh, uh, especially when you think of uh, people as in humanity. And, uh, you know, um, it's, it's just really disheartening. It's hard. Hard to swallow. Yeah. I can remember going home and after a deposition and having a hard time sleeping and trying to reprocess the whole day and then having to take a sleep aid so that I could sleep. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, it's, it's um, I, you know, obviously it's not, and I've said this before, it's not personal for me, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not my, my, it's not my case. Right. I mean, it's not what I've gone through, but yeah, and I try to prepare my clients for having to sit at these depositions. Not all my clients go to the depositions, mm-hmm. But in those, it, but I do have some cases, some clients who are so invested mm-hmm. in being wronged and trying to correct that, that they do attend, that it's important for them to attend all of the depositions. And I know you did, and I, I have definitely had other clients who also do that. Yeah, I think it was yeah. important that I show up. Yeah. Because I didn't want to be a coward. Yeah. Because I, I knew I was, I knew I was the main person in the company, and I knew that they were mistreating me. Yeah. Yeah. So, as and hard as it was, I needed to show up. 
And I think you, I, I got the sense that you also wanted to know what they were going to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It was important mm-hmm. to, to um, I guess, to be able to close doors after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be able to close doors. Do you remember we took some depositions in Sacramento? Yes, I remember we took yeah. a road trip. Yeah, we yeah. took a road trip. We to took Sacramento. a road trip. What I remember, though, about that trip is that the attorney who represented the employer, who represented the company, he was not one of my favorite people, Mm -hmm. um, but he pulled me aside at some point. He wanted to have a conversation with me outside of your presence. Right. And he told me, as if he were breaking some news to me, that you were malingering and that I should be careful because you were faking your symptoms. Wow. Yeah. And I remember that so vividly to this day because it was outrageous. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And I did tell you about it, but maybe you don't remember. I don't remember that. Yeah, he did tell me that, and I remember he used the word malingering. Um, And I just couldn't believe that he would have the audacity to tell me something like that. Wow. Um, About somebody he doesn't know, first Mm -mm. of all, you know? And to to me, who as if I didn't know who my client was. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, that was really super outrageous. I'll never forget that he told me that. Yeah. That that's just so crazy. Cause why would somebody want to go through a neurologist? And by that time, in the depositions, I was already on this clinical study medicine, which was chemo. Yeah. yeah. So why would somebody just want to put that kind of medicine in your body? And a neuro- neurologist do that to somebody if there wasn't factual symptoms and MRIs that prove it. That's just horrible. It's horrible. I don't even understand the motivation between behind his. Oh. Like why? So that just makes my blood crawl right oh, now. No. I just went back there. I, well, you're welcome. <laughs> um, no, oh. it was it was outrageous. I just I I I can't even get behind the mindset of mm. what he was thinking. When he was telling me that, like, what, who, I don't know what he could have thought about me that would make him think, oh, okay, I'm going to believe you. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. I, I've got nothing else to do, so I'm going to bring a client up here that's faking. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's some defense, there's some defense counsel, some, you know, attorneys who represent employers who are perfectly fine. They're just doing their job. It's, you know, they're not, you know, they're not attacking or mm-hmm. insulting and then there are some who are just i mean they're terrible yeah that's yeah that's terrible um what would you say in terms of like if somebody was in your position thinking about bringing a lawsuit or finding an attorney what would you tell somebody like that everybody's replaceable at a company we're all just numbers and if you've really given your 100 percent or even just 90 percent and you feel that you're being singled out or mistreated or harassed, you need to speak up because no one has the right to, to not be honest or treat you fairly. And if you've never, as I said, I never had anything in my disciplinary file, nothing. And so to be singled out like that and there's no history I mean, if I would have had history and I knew I was a bad employee, well, okay, maybe I'm not so good. But I had nothing. Yeah. Um, and I know I didn't ask to get sick. And I wanted to work. Instead, um, I had to make a decision to do something better for my life. To protect yourself, To really. protect myself. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was tough. What would you say to somebody who was embarking on a lawsuit, like, about the process? Do your homework... 
take notes yeah be honest mm. um try to stay clear-minded uh you have to give up friendships mm-hmm. your co-workers and stuff they can't be your friends at that time because they still have to work and make an earning and you don't want to influence other people because you don't know if they'll get questioned yeah and you can't you can't put people in that kind of position. It's not fair mm-hmm. because this is your decision for your life. Right. So I I walked away from all ties, and uh, that's very hard. Did you and did the ties stay separated even after the lawsuit? I probably um, kept one girlfriend, mm. but it's not close like it used to be. Right. It's it's changed. She eventually left the company, and I think. Um, you know, on social media, some of the old employees still reach out and they tell me, but it's very, it's very, we don't distant. talk, very distant, yeah. um, and we keep it that way, um, because I don't talk about it with any of them, because there's no reason to, and, mm-hmm. and you know, I know some still work for the company, and good for them, you know, it's their career, Yeah. but... I know I had to make that decision to cut ties for my livelihood, for my case, Mm -hmm. for my future. In retrospect, Sandy, do you have any regrets about having filed the lawsuit? No, no, because in doing that, I was able to get the medical help I needed so that my illness did not get worse. And I, I, I didn't at a very young age, end up in a wheelchair. Can I still end up in a wheelchair? Possibly. Mm -hmm. But at this point, no. You know, MS is kind of an invisible illness, and people can look at somebody and they think, you look normal. And and if you look at me, I look like the epitome of health. You really do. And, And I work hard for that. Yeah. But if you lived with me like my spouse, you see... All the signs. Yeah. Doing my rights and doing the case with you, and and then I had to file for permanent social security disability. Yeah. And my doctors helped me with that. I I had dreams of buying that cabin in the mountains and getting a boat, and I was making money where I could do all those things. And I had to say, okay, now I can't do those things, but I can still live and I can still walk. Right. So filing the case fighting for what was I thought was fair and getting my illness to a, a place that I could live with it, that's more important than all the money in the world. Because, and that's a hard decision. Yeah, because when you said you had time, like you had time, you mean because you weren't, you weren't working, you, you stopped working and you were able to dedicate your time to, 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 your, to, to my body, to treating your, your yeah, illness. Yeah, I went through um, from 2008 to 2021, I was on the clinical study. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they had to give me the infusions five or six times, five days at a time. Uh, it's a harsh medicine. And in between that, I did IV solamandrol a lot to get my illness to get to, uh, they don't call it remission, but livable, livable. Wow. Yeah. And I was able to help. Um, get the drug FDA approved. So that's really cool because not all the medicine that's out there works for each patient with MS. Yeah. And this one happens to work for some of the patients that can't use the other. And that made me really proud that I, okay, so I don't work, but I have the time to do that. Yeah. So that's a good thing. 
I wanted to, um, I always uh, try to remember a food memory with all of um, my cases. And the food memory I have in yours is when we went to Sacramento and then we drove back. Um, on the way back, when we got to the office, mm -hmm. your, your spouse, Rose, was uh -huh. there to pick you up. Uh -huh. And she had made homemade chicken soup and she had a like a Tupperware oh, yeah, chicken yeah, yeah. soup for me. And it was just so, it was late in the day when we got back yeah. and had been a long day. It had been a long trip. Yeah. And she just had that soup with me for me with tortillas. Uh -huh. and she even had like lines cut up it was so <laughs> wonderful when she's I got quite, home she's quite the chef <laughs> yeah no I know and and I and you were telling me before we got started today that she had her deposition taken in the yeah, case yeah. right um, because sometimes that happens um, because one of the things that you're able to get if you're able to prove that you were discriminated against is emotional distress mm -hmm. right compensation for your emotional distress right um, and so sometimes what employers do is they want to take the depositions of witnesses to the emotional mm -hmm. distress, and obviously your spouse was. Right, yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. How involved was she in the, in the lawsuit behind the scenes? Oh, she, she helped me fill out many, many forms, many yeah. paperwork. She, she would talk to me about mm. making sure I could try to talk clearly. She would, you know, help keep me in the positive frame Yeah. a lot. She was, she was my rock. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a tough situation for for clients who, especially you know, who who, who I especially feel bad are the clients who who have worked at a company for like their whole lives essentially. Mm -hmm. You know, like you, you know, yeah, your youth. <laughs> yeah, I was young and I was yeah. and I was I. I mean, you know, sometimes I think, gosh, if they'd have worked with me, would I still be there? I liked my job. You might. You might. I might have been. Yeah. I was. I was good at what I did. Yeah. I mean, my model was teach, train, to develop, and treat all the people all the same all the time. And yeah. that's, that was my success. And I can probably think, off the top of my head, I took these, a lot of young people, 18, 19, 20 years old, that came from not good neighborhoods mm -hmm. of... of um, Hispanic uh, cultures or African American or poor Caucasian, yeah. and help them to to learn their worth and that they could get out of break the mold, yeah, break the patterns. And uh, I probably promoted anywhere from five hundred to six hundred over the years. Really? Yeah. That many? Yeah. I would see something in them. And I would tell them, you could do it. You yeah. could become a key carrier. Yeah. You can, can become a lead. You might not grow with the company here, but maybe that'll help you go somewhere else. And I think I was strong in that, that I could see something. Okay. I, I remember yeah. that some of the girls are nurses now. They're yeah. different things. And, and if I did that and gave them a little bit of um, feeling confident to get out of, to break the mold, then I did good. So it's interesting because, you know, you, you mentioned it now in terms of like college degrees or maybe careers that are more like what we consider professional mm -hmm. and the impact that those kinds of people have. Um, but really we have the capacity or the ability or the opportunity to have a wider impact. Mm -hmm. And it really doesn't depend on the job we're doing. Like, we can have that kind of impact anywhere. Right. Right? right. Just helping people. Just helping people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, I don't know, I, 
sometimes I think would I still be there, and sometimes I get sad still. Still. Yeah, and then I think, well, it's, it's been what thirteen years. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I can't do the. Don't make me take out the calculator. <laughs> you know, thirteen years approximately. It's yeah. an estimate. Um, yeah. But but yeah. now. You know, with my illness, I, I, I learned Eastern medicine, and I'm able to do yoga. So I went, I had three teachers who taught me a lot, and now I lead senior centers um, in helping the older people stay active. Yeah. So I guess I'm still, still teaching, having... training, and developing. Yeah. I'm just doing it uh, for no monetary reason, just to give back. Yeah. So uh, if that's what happened with me not being able to work and having to file a lawsuit and have this illness, well, so I be it. I think it's in your nature to be that way, Sandy. Like, so Perhaps. whatever you do, like yes. Yeah. All right, Sandy, well, I, we're coming near the end, but before you go, I have to ask you the question that I ask everybody. Um, what are your favorite three tacos, either types, or places where you get them? My favorite taco is a chicken taco. I love really? chicken. Really? I love chicken tacos. They're they're my favorite. Yes. Okay. I mean, you know, some people would say, chicken, really? I like chicken. <laughs> I like chicken tacos. And do you mean, are we talking just like... Um, a hard shell chicken okay, taco. A, a fried chicken taco. Yeah, okay, I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're the best. Yes. They're the best. Um, I like hard shell chicken tacos. I do like the the soft little um, street tacos, mm -hmm. and I'll usually get chicken and maybe one carne asada. Okay. I'm not big on meat, yeah, but I do like chicken. You like chicken, yeah. And every now and then, and I just had this taco in the last year. I never ate a taco naso. Oh my god, was it good? The fish taco. Oh really? Oh my god. At taco naso. Taco naso. There's a bunch of those everywhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had my first one. I and and my spouse Rose couldn't believe I never ha I ate one there. And I, she goes, "We're gonna get you one." And I was like, "Oh my god, I want another one. They're so good." Then the fish, is the fish uh, breaded and fried, or just like a grilled fish? Do you remember? Uh uh. But it was good. It had the cream stuff on yeah. it. It had the cabbage in there. It was really delicious. Does Rose make um, hard shell chicken she, tacos? Yeah, she's a chef. She's like a chef. She makes hard shell tacos. She makes soft good. tacos. I eat good. <laughs> Do you cook? Uh, can, but I don't like to. <laughs> well, why would you if Rose is cooking? No, she cooks. Yeah. Lately, though, she's been trying to live a low-carb keto style. Aww. So uh, that's okay. But we go to um, a place in uh, La Puente called Casa Jimenez. Uh -huh. They make good tacos. Do they? Yeah. yeah. So that's probably one of my favorite because it's close. Yeah. Yeah. And the other, where's the other place? In Pico Rivera on Whittier, and I think it's Paramount. I think it's called Lupi's Tacos. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's a little small place. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think it's on Beverly. Oh, it might be Beverly. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like on the, on the corner. It's like a little stand. Oh, they make good tacos. Yeah, crunchy tacos, Yes. Right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I like that place. Yeah. That's my... We've, we did a couple, um, what do you call it? On the way to the Dodger game, we, we ate there before we went. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah, are you a big Dodger fan? Uh, I like the games, yeah, but I, it's too expensive. I'd rather watch it at home. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
also just such an like endeavor to go to Dodgers. Stadium, it's, you know? it's a big deal. The parking, the parking, and like it's expensive. <laughs> I haven't been to a Dodger game in years. I, I we just went to one this last year, and I probably went to one maybe ten years ago. I think I'm good. good I'm good for a while. I'll, I'll watch it at home. <laughs> Understood. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sandy, thank you so much oh. for coming today. I super appreciate it. I really, really love seeing you again. Oh, it's such an honor. Yes. Such an honor. Yeah. I'm so glad you were my attorney. Oh, I'm glad you were glad. Yes, I was super glad. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Sandy, thank you. Thank you. Now, if you enjoyed today's podcast and you're thinking, hey, I think I need to speak to a lawyer, you should get in touch with me. You can do that by going to scmlawoffices.com and sending me a message there. If you're not ready to do that, definitely say hi anyway. You can connect with me on Twitter at SEM underscore in underscore ELA. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode.